Let's turn our, in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 42. And we're talking again this morning about who else? Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to be celebrating his birthday, uh, the date that we, we've chosen to celebrate his birthday, but it's not an accurate date, but I'm glad to celebrate anyway, aren't you? I'm glad we take reason to celebrate. I don't get offended by Christmas and all the decorations. I'm just glad to see it. I praise God for it. So what if somebody goes overboard or a lot of people don't do anything they need to? All right? We need to get out the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let people know who he is. So in looking at Isaiah this morning, we're looking at one of the prophecies of Jesus. And I'm not really going to go into a lot of prophetic this and that and the other. But I just want to show you some things the Bible says about Jesus and in the Old Testament. What's amazing to me, the Bible is amazing to me. Um, the more you look at it and the more you study it, the more amazing it is. Because it was, I believe it was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through many, many authors. And for these authors to live in hundreds of years apart that wrote these books, append these books, and for it to so coordinate together like it does, that had to be from the hand of God. Uh, there's no one smart enough to put this thing together. And how many of you know that computers are only as smart as the people that operate them? So a computer couldn't have done it, even if there were computers back there. It had to be the hand of God to put this together so that things were fulfilled in, in an exact way. Uh, one of the great, awesome things that I see was in 1947 when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found by two little boys throwing rocks in a cave and they heard pottery breaking, went in and found these scrolls. All of them have not even been uh, unrolled yet and examined. But the book of Isaiah has been, and you know what? It says the same thing now as it said back then. And I praise God that uh, for external proof like that, you know, the real proof of, of the, the validity of God's word is in our heart. But I'm glad that once in a while God just lets something be seen that people say, see, I told you so. <laughs> it's really there. It's really like it's supposed to be. I know for a long time they said that there was no man named Caiaphas. And just a very few years ago, they found the inscription on his tomb and described who he was. And uh, they found that he was a historical figure. Even though they didn't have records of him in many places, they found, they found his script. They found where he had been laid. And so there are many, many things that, that, uh, that as, as things happen are proof of the, the, the truth of God's word. But my proof is in my heart. Hallelujah. I believe it. And that is the main proof that we have is by faith we know that God has done what he has done. Now, Isaiah 42, 1 through 9 says this, Behold my servant. And we'll come back and but think of that. Behold my servant. Is the way God talks, the Father talks about Jesus, whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delighteth. I put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break. And the smoking flax he shall not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isle shall wait for his law. Thus saith God, the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he has spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, I will uphold thine hand. And will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison. And them that sit in darkness out of the prison, the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another. Neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. 
Now there is so much that it would be possible to even preach just these nine verses, all that's contained there in that, but a great description of who Jesus is and his mission. And it's, uh, first of all, as I said there, he says, Behold my servant. You know, we know from reading throughout the New Testament that Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. He, the main thing that Jesus was, was a servant to, to mankind. Here is the King of glory, uh, God Almighty, the Word made flesh, came to be a servant to us. And that is the most awesome thing. You know, the, the thing that you can do for someone that shows your appreciation is to do something for them. I said before that many times when you're young, you don't appreciate what people do for you because you don't know the time involved that they've taken to do what they just did for you. You know, when someone gives you a gift of money, it's not just money that they're giving you, it's time that they have spent earning that money and they're taking their time they've spent earning that money and giving it to you. It's a part of who that money is not who they are, but the time they spent their take. How many of you know our hours are precious? Is that right? I mean, and you, you know, I hear people say this, and I'm not to re- I may be close to retirement age, but I'm not ready to retire. But I hear people say when you retire, you think you're going to take it easy, and your life just gets busier. You know, there's grandkids to watch, there's this place to run for that, and this place to run there, and life doesn't get slower, it gets busier. And so our time is very precious. I know. With 15 grandkids, I like to, it's just hard to get to see them as much as I want to see them. And I want to be a part of their lives, but you know, you have time limitations that you can only do so much. And so our time is very precious. And when someone takes their time and blesses you and helps you, it is something really to be thankful for because they are, in a way, they are serving you. They are doing something for you that needed to be done. Even if it's something as simple as cleaning a walk or, or cleaning your windshield or uh, making a meal or bringing food. You know, one of the things that, that this church is good at is when there's a death in our church that they, the women get together and they cook a good meal for that family. And you might not think that's very much, but when you put all that together, I have heard family and you say, well, why don't we see them? Well, guess what? Sometimes we just plant seeds. Sometimes we just plant seeds and we don't know where that harvest is going to crop up at. Sometimes it crops up here and sometimes it crops up at other places. But when you minister to a family when there's been a death in that family and you simply bring a plate of food, you are serving them and, and it's your effort and your work and it means a whole lot. I hear, I hear the remarks from the families. Oh, there's always a few people that are not grateful, but 99% of them are grateful and, and they just go on about why would the church do this for us? I've had them say, why would they do that for us? We don't even go to church there. Why would they do this? Say, well, they just love people and they just want to serve you. And that's what it's about. And so he calls his son, behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I like that. I like the fact that the Heavenly Father says he delights in Jesus. You know, we, we delight in, in our kids and our grandkids and our family. You delight in them. You love to see them do things. It, one of the most fun things is to see a baby take its first steps. Isn't that right? All of you have kids and you've got nephews and nieces and to watch that little toddler uh, work its way up to trying to get a hold of something and pull itself up the couch and they look at that little coffee table next to it and they look back and forth and they try to figure out, can they do it? Can they do it? They'll start and they'll go right on their little bottom. They get back up and they do it and do it until finally they start taking a step and everybody's going, Oh, he took a step, he took a step, oh, he took a step, oh, you know, it's, why? It's awesome to see that, to see that growth, to see that health, to see that ability, to see if we delight in those kind of things. And it's the same kind of delight that the Father had in the Son, Jesus, and it's the same kind of delight that he has over us. He says he sings over us with joy. I believe that. That's hard for, that's, that's in the natural, that's hard for me to understand that, that God and, and that and if you really look what that means, it means he spins about with joy, with singing. 
He is excited and gets excited over his people. And I believe that. You know, we can look at our lives, we can look at our failures and our faults and our shortcomings, and we think, how could God ever delight in me? Well, take his word for it that he does. My kids have messed up a lot in their life, and I messed up a lot in my life, and I'm going to tell you what, they're still a delight to me even if they've messed up. They're a delight to me because I love them no matter what they have done. And when I see them do something that is right, I'm going, woohoo, hallelujah, they did it, you know. Man, I love to watch my grandkids in school programs and church programs. I love to see them just do what they like to do. It's a delight. And it's the way the Heavenly Father looks at us as we are delight, the same as Jesus is. Now, it says some things about Jesus here. He says, number one, he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. What does that mean? He's going to kill them all? No, it means he's going to bring forth what is right to the Gentiles. He is, he is, in what is right, he's bringing himself, he is fulfilling. He, now, God will deal with sin. He will deal with judgment and with sin. But let me tell you what. You know what kind of judgment He's bringing? He's bringing His Son into the picture. Jesus, the Father, is bringing His Son into the picture that the Gentiles could have the light. That the Gentiles could be born again. That they could be grafted into the true vine and they could be His children as much as the Jews are His children. That's the kind of judgment God wants. He wants to judge you righteous because you've accepted His Son and because you believe He is exactly who He says He is. That's the kind of judgment He wants to bring. Now, for those who won't receive Him, there's going to be a judgment day coming for those who would not receive Him and they're going to be cast out. But I'm going to tell you what, the kind of judgment He wants to bring, you know how I many of you know there are good judgments and bad judgments? Is that right? You know, you go to court and you say, well, we got a good judgment. You know, whew, it worked, hallelujah. Or, well, we got a bad judgment. God desires to bring forth a good judgment to us. That's His desire for us. The Bible says He was not willing that any should perish. Are some going to perish? Yes, as I told you before. God doesn't always get His way. Because He tells us plainly what His will is. He was not willing that any should perish. But will some perish? Yes, some will perish. God has a lot of things He doesn't want to happen, but they still happen. Now, in the end, God's going to win and triumph over all and everything and be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But we're going through a time in, a, in, in, the, in the time, span of time now, there are going to be some things happening that you don't want to happen, and they're not what God wanted to happen. But we still look to Him as the one who's going to bring judgment the, and going to bring righteousness and rule the earth with righteousness. That is what He is going to do. One day he will put down all rule and all authority and he will rule and reign on this earth. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to that day. Praise God. You know why I can't? Because I have already been judged guilty, but I have been found innocent and forgiven by the blood of Jesus. My judgment has already come. Hallelujah. I am judged free and I am judged guiltless by believing in the name of the Son of God and by knowing who he is and confessing him for he is accepting covering of his blood for my sin. And then it says, He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. He's not going to get out and promote himself. He's just going to do the work that the Father sent him to do. You know, <clears throat> there are many, many programs that churches put together. And some of them are treadmills. How many of you like a treadmill? I didn't say, you know, walking outside where you're seeing something is a whole lot more fun than a treadmill. You actually get somewhere. Now, if you've got to be on a treadmill, that's okay, but it's more fun to walk through a park or a woods or a, along the road. But some programs are a treadmill, but you know what is never a treadmill? The power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Letting God work in your life is better than any program you could come up with. It's better than anything. You know, it's, it's much of religion, and I'm sorry if this... No, I'm not sorry if it offends you. If it needs to offend you, you need to be offended. Hallelujah. <laughs> Much of what has gone on in Christian, I mean, even among charismatic Pentecostal, is nothing but fluff and hot air. And big fan in the flame to make somebody look great big and get a great big following. You don't need to do that. 
You don't have to do that. Preach the truth. And as you preach the truth, God will send those people to you that need to be there. I'm not saying you don't let people know you have an interest in them and you don't do those kind of things. But you know what? The thing you need to do is minister and be a servant to people. That's the best program you can do is to be a servant to somebody. Find out what their need is and try to meet their need. Not, but not as a gimmick to get them. As an act of love because you care for them. Anything you do as a gimmick just to get somebody, it's going to fall right in your face. But when you do something out of a heart of love, the same way that Jesus... You know, Jesus wasn't going to the cross for a gimmick to build a crowd. He went to the cross because He loved us so much that He died for us. He didn't go to build a crowd. He did it because He loved Him. And, and I believe that if only one person was willing to receive Him, He would have still died for that one person. He didn't die to have a mass of people. He died for the individual. And then we become a mass as we believe Him. But he didn't die for a mass of people. He died for every individual human being. And that's where our interest ought to be, is in every single person that comes through, every single person that we come in contact with. You know, I, I half joke, but telling tell the absolute truth about, you know, even people that cut you off in traffic, guess what? The Lord loves them as much as he loves you. <laughs> and somebody told me this morning that somebody cut them off and they just wanted to go chase after them. They remembered what I said. I said, he said, no, I just prayed for them. Hallelujah. You know, that's not so easy to do because sometimes when they flip you off, you want to return the favor. You know, but guess what? Uh, you don't need to do that. You can, you can pray at them. You can pray for them and ask God's blessing on them. Amen? Hallelujah. It's a whole lot better than getting mad at yourself and getting all in an uproar. Just pray for them. God loves them. Hallelujah. He does love them. Absolutely. You know, the person you walk by that's the most undesirable, guess what? God loves them just as much as He loves you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, a church ought to have all kinds of people in the same building. I know the tendency of some churches today is to have only certain people. And they'll target certain people groups. And that's who they want in their church. Well, guess what? They're missing the boat because Jesus didn't target any certain people group. He went for anyone whosoever will to come. Hallelujah. Anybody. The poor, the ugly, the beautiful, the rich. The downtrodden and the high, the high-minded, anybody can, anybody that wants to can come to him. And that's exactly how our churches ought to be. That everybody's welcome. No matter what, what you're like or who you are, you're welcome to come in and have the blessing of the Lord in your life. So he doesn't have to go out in the street and make a lot of noise. He just begins to minister. It says, a bruised reed shall he not break and a smoking flax he shall not quench. Oh, praise God. Woo! <laughs> have you ever been the bruised reed? Have you ever been beaten up by life? Have you ever been so torn apart that you didn't know that God even really knew if you were around? Oh, you knew it by faith and you knew it because the Bible says so, but you sure didn't feel like you had any idea where you were at the time. You were that bruised reed. You were that one that had been beaten up and that one that, and life had just about gotten you down, but he says, he won't go ahead and break you. He won't say, well, I thought that's how they'd turn out. I didn't have much faith in him to begin with. I'll just step on him. That's not the way the Lord works. What does he do? He repairs. The Bible talks about his ministry is to come and to break the bondage over people's lives and to see healing come into their life. And then it says, the smoking flax he shall not quench. You know what the smoking flax was just talking about? That's talking about where the fire has gone out. But instead of him stamping on that and putting the fire the rest of it, you know what he does? He blows the breath of his Holy Spirit on that, that it can come into full flame again and finish the work that was started. I'm so thankful for the Lord's faithfulness in my life and in your life that when we have reached the bottom, when we have, when we have 
not done anything to deserve, which you never can get anything from deserving it. But when you've done the opposite of many times what you should have done, he's there to build you back up and to fan that flame until it comes back into full flame again. He doesn't step on you and put you out. He wants to restore you and bring you back. That's, that's who he is. Hallelujah. And it says, he's, he, he, will, he shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Hallelujah. That shouldn't scare you. The truth is, if you're believing the truth is this, that you are covered by the blood of Jesus. So you don't have to be afraid of judgment when you're covered by the blood of Jesus. You just need to keep... You, what the Bible says? It says, what happens if you sin? It says, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You say, but Pastor, you don't know how many times I've sinned. Well, you don't know how many times I've sinned. You don't know what else has gone on in someone else's life, but I'm going to tell you what, the word is still true. If we confess our faults, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. And then it even says another place that we can confess our faults one another. We may be healed. You can talk to other believers about the weaknesses that you have. And you just don't go blabbing them to everybody, but you find the one the Lord leads you to. And you can just pour your heart out and say, this is what I'm like and I need help. I need prayer. I can't do this by myself. And what Jesus is there. Jesus is there to build you back up and to give you the strength that you need. And then it says, Thus saith God the Lord, He that hath created the heavens. Woo! Hallelujah. Then right before it says, He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he has set judgment in the earth and the owl shall wait for his life. He shall not fail nor be discouraged. We get discouraged. Discourage is a very simple word. It's discouraged. It's when your courage is gone. It's when life has beaten you up and instead of having courage to get up and go do something, your courage has gone away. My dad used to say it's when you're your get up and go has done got up and went. Or when you've got a hitch in your get along. You know, when, when you, just, you just can't get up and do it anymore. You just can't, you just can't find the strength to stand up and, and go do what needs to be done. That's when you're discouraged. But he says he's not going to fail and he's not going to be discouraged. Hallelujah. We get discouraged. We get discouraged with each other. We get discouraged when you pray for somebody and it seems like they get worse. We get discouraged. We think, Lord, what is gonna, what's it going to take, Lord? When's it ever going to happen? When's it ever going to change? But guess what? He doesn't get discouraged. He knows the beginning from the end. And we just see what's in front of our face. Except he gives us faith. He gives us his faith to operate in and to live in. Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out. He that spread forth the earth. Now think about that. This, you can't run through that fast like I just did. Listen. Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens. You like to look at the heavens? I remember being in Panama, and I, I've told you this before, the, the missionaries' kids, were, I thought they were playing a joke on me. So the first night I was in Panama, out in the jungle, and they said, okay, come out here in the yard. So I went out, and these kids, I'd known them, and they're cut-ups, and they said, we want you to lay down on the ground. I said, oh, yeah, sure. There's three teenagers telling me to lay down on the ground. I said, what are you going to do? Nothing, just trust us, lay down on the ground. It took about five minutes to get them to get me to lay down on the ground. Number one, I wasn't so sure where the snakes were down there, but anyway, they finally got me laid on the ground. They said, now close your eyes. I said, yeah, yeah, here comes the water. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, here comes the buckets of water, or here comes something, you know. And they finally could, no, just close your eyes. So I finally closed my eyes. And they said, just keep them closed for a little bit. And I said, okay, what are you going to do? Nothing, just keep your eyes closed and be quiet. And uh, so I did, and they said, now open your eyes. And I opened my eyes, and I have never seen so many stars in all of my life. When you're on the equator, and there are no city lights, and you're in the jungle, and you look up, you won't believe how many millions of stars there are in the sky. We look up here, we see 5, 6, 10, 20, 30. You look up at the equator where there's, the, there's no cloud in that, in that particular area, there's no clouds, and there are no city lights, no bright lights, many cities around, and you can see stars like you've never seen them before. 
It's an amazing thing. He, what is it? He that created the heavens and stretched them out. Now, I don't know how you... I, I get a word picture when I see that. Man, I just, I just look at the Lord taking his hand and he's going... Man, just spreading those things out. I, I just see him as the creator. He just put them all there. I don't believe they got there by major explosions. I think God just said, there they are. Whew. I think he just said, there they are. And they were. He has spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it. He spread forth the earth. He just saw, there it is, boom. And this earth is awesome. You know, I love to watch National Geographic and the Discover Channel. I get angry when they start talking about evolution, but, but I like to see what they discover, and then I just tell them how wrong they are about how it got there. And I talk back, how many of you talk back to television? Oh, I do. My kid used to laugh, said, Dad, here we go. And I said, you're right. I love that program, but you're going to hear the truth behind it, not what they're telling you. That wasn't created by evolution. That's because God made it that way, and that's why it's so wonderful. That's why it's so awesome, because it didn't happen by accident. It happened by a designing God who made it the way it is, or they wouldn't be able to talk about how good it is. You don't, get, you don't get beauty from junk by throwing up an ear and just falling in place. Oh, some modern art might look like that, but that's not real beauty. I'm going to tell you what. It is when it's, there's order and there's design, and God made the order, and God made the design. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it. How do we get breath? Because God breathed into man the breath of life, and he became a living soul. He breathed into man. That's what happened. Man didn't develop lungs over a period of so many years after evolving from some animal. Did you hear the good news the other day that we didn't come from monkeys? They finally realized that that's not where we came from. Of course, now they've got another being of some kind that they think we did come from. A donkey? Well, maybe. You know, but, but, but they discovered all, all along they've had it wrong. Well, guess what? I could have told them that. I'm, I'm 60. I could have told them that 54 years ago that they had it wrong. And when they finally figure out this other thing they think we all came from, they'll realize someday, if, they, if the Lord lasts long enough, that that's wrong too. We came into being when God and a spirit to them, not only does he give breath, he gives spirits, spirit to them that walk therein. You see, it's not just breath to make our bodies alive. He gave us his spirit. Whew. Hallelujah. Do you know that before your parents were ever born, God knew you? That's what Psalm 139 says. Before Adam was born, he knew you. Adam wasn't born, Adam was created. But before Adam was, before Adam was formed, he knew you. That's what the Bible says. Before the foundation of the world, he had a plan of salvation for us before the foundation of the world. It wasn't a plan of salvation for monkeys, it was a plan of salvation for you and for me. That, that's exciting. You know, we may be few in numbers throughout the earth. But so what? We've got the truth through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We have that assurance. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles. Talking to Jesus. But then as we become his people, we become like him. To open the blind eyes. Jesus came to open blind eyes. Not, not just physically. He did open blind eyes. You know, I... I marvel in the book of Acts that when Jesus opened blind eyes, it wasn't the fact that they weren't really shocked that he did that. They just didn't want, they just didn't want to have him as any power, but he opened the blind. They couldn't deny that he opened the eyes of the blind. 
They went by talking about his name. You know what they, they didn't deny that he'd done miracles. They just don't preach anymore in his name. Why? There's power in his name. Why? Because he's the creator of the whole world. And when he speaks, there's power there. To bring out the prisoners from the prison. To bring the people. That, one of my favorite songs is The Comforter Has Come. In the old hymnals. And it talks about, and through the vacant cells. What's he talking about? When Jesus comes in, he opens the cell door that you live in, and he lets you out. When the Holy Spirit comes, he releases you for God to work in your life like nothing ever else could happen. He releases you to be exactly what he intended for you to be. He sets you free. He takes the chains off. He takes off the wrong teaching. He takes out the bad parenting that we all had because we come from humans. We all had some good parenting too. But we know if your parent told you... I have a friend, I have three friends, that their father told them every day of their life how worthless they were. Every day of their life. He told them how, what a sloth and what a... used horrible words with them all the time. Their mother put them in our school, our Christian school. And you know, they were aggravating sometimes. In fact, I'll tell you, not to the, the one kid kind of was like a sloth. You couldn't get him to move. You couldn't do anything. He's going to sit there. Well, after, we've been, after I found out the way he'd been talked to, I can understand it a whole lot more. You know, you might, something as silly as a Facebook, and I made contact with a lot of these kids that I was their teacher at one time, that thing on the computer. And there's some games you play on there, and this one kid, the, the one that had been raised that way and treated so bad, um, he said, oh, I think I'm going to cut a bunch of my Facebook friends off because they don't play the games I'm playing. I put, I said, I put on, I guess I made the cut. I'm still on. He says, you don't have to worry, Pastor Steve. You're going to be on there. And I saw his brother in the store and hadn't seen him for years. And I had my sling on and, and we just had, just barely said hi. And he, and he got on there and he says, he said, uh, he said, I saw you. I think it was you the other day. He said, I haven't seen you for long. I'm pretty sure it was you I spoke to. I said, yeah, it was me you spoke to. And I recognized you. And he said, and you know what he put in there? He put, thanks for all the prayers. Through all the years that you prayed for my family. You know what? There's one more boy to go that needs to really come out of that stuff. So there's bad parentage. There's bad things that happen to people. I'm going to tell you what. God can pick you up out of that. <laughs> you don't have to be bound by what somebody else told you you were or what they thought of you. You can look in here to see what Jesus says you are and who you are and who wants to do and what he's done in your life. I believe that's what this is for for the believer. This is for us to know what Jesus has done for us. How he's bought us, he's paid for us. We celebrated this morning with communion. How he paid for us with his blood. How he loved us so much that he became a servant for us. And he's a faithful servant. He says he's faithful even when we are not. The Bible says, let God be true but every man a liar. What's he talking about? He means we can never get it all straight, but he always does. Even though we can't even recognize the truth sometimes when it hits us upside the face, he does. And he keeps on working with us and changing us. And them that sit in darkness out of the prison. I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory will I not give to another. You see, while people are claiming that they can help everybody, guess what? The only one that really gives help is Jesus. The rest of them are just helpers working under him. You know, I can stand up here and talk about Jesus all day long, but it takes the Holy Spirit for you to know who he is. I can't make you know who Jesus is. I'm just, I'm just commanded to talk about him <laughs> and just read his word and tell you about it. And the whole system doesn't make sense to me except that's how God made it. You know what he calls my job? Foolishness. That's what he calls it. He says, they're saved through the foolishness of preaching. 
That's exactly what it calls it. But guess what? The Holy Spirit calls it to be. When people hear the Word of God, God begins to change their life. Now, well, you know what? I, I love it when people get excited and they shout and they praise God. But you know what? And, and I mean that entirely, 100%. But you know what I get more excited about? When I see over a period of time, somebody's life changes. When I see people who didn't used to respect God at all, and they begin to call on Him, whoa, that is the greatest miracle of all. When I see somebody raised up under somebody else's thumb and put down and beat down and told a horrible there, and I see that person begin to trust Jesus and find out that they're better than that, that God loves them and God wants to use them and God can do some things in their life, that is, that is the biggest blessing that there ever can be. I'm all for excitement. I'm all for, I really am. I'm not putting that down. I'm all for, man, if you want to shout hallelujah, I welcome that. If you want to dance across the front of this church, that's fine with me if it's the Holy Ghost telling you to do it. It doesn't bother me one day. I will not be embarrassed. I don't care if the house is full. There's only one person dancing and the Lord told him to. I wouldn't embarrass me, but I'd say, sick him. Woo! Go for it. But I get even more excited when I see people's lives change and they begin to trust Jesus. They give him to trust his word and they begin to say, you know what? That is true. It works. I had a man come up to me and he said, he'd been coming to church for quite a while. He came up to me one day and he said, you know what I did, preacher? He said, I did just what you said. And this is after several years. He said, I was driving down the road. I was driving the bypass in Kokomo. And he said, I just realized, I do believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I just told him so. Lord, I do believe that you are the Son of God. I believe God raised you from the dead. And he said, you know what? I got saved driving down the bypass in Kokomo. You know what? That was exciting to me as anything you could ever tell me. That they found out that Jesus was exactly who he says he was. And they began to give their life to him and change him. And I'm going to tell you what, I felt like shouting. I didn't, because he was a pretty quiet guy. But I felt like going, woohoo, hallelujah! You know? Man, I feel that way a lot of times when I don't do it. But that's all right. If you do it, that's fine. I'll love that too. But I feel that way a lot when I see God do something. You just want to shout. I don't want to scare somebody half to death. But I'm just shouting on the inside, hallelujah. And then he says... My glory will I not give to another. God needs to get all the praise. Amen? Amen? God needs all the praise. I think that's, that's one of the things that I have some difficulty with some of the media, television, Christianity. Come on. That's right. And I've seen some that are great. And, and they trust God and they, and they honor God. But I've seen others that it's like, if you'll send me $10,000, God will bless you. Well, guess what? I've heard some of them say, you need to go to your local church and financially support it and God will bless you. He said, well, it's just because he's telling me to bring money to you. No, it's because it's the truth. But I don't have any anointed billfuls I'm going to give you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> All I can say is read the word and let God take care of you. Hallelujah. God will do it. And he will not share his glory with another. Neither my praise to graven images. You know, America is, is becoming a country of idolatry. You know, there's, you know, okay, if you get offended at this one, you just get offended anyway. You know what? A cross around your neck doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean squat. The worst foul-mouthed, lousiest, nastiest singers in the world wear a cross around their neck. And get up and, and spew out all kind of filthy garbage out of their mouth and get up and praise Jesus for the award they got. That cross around their neck doesn't mean anything. But guess what? Neither does it around yours. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. That cross ain't going to get you nowhere. The only thing going to get you somewhere is Jesus living on the inside. If you want to wear a cross, that's fine. I'm not against that at all. But only Jesus in here gets you somewhere. If you want to wear it by having a ring on that's got a cross on it or a little dove, that's fine. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But none of those little things are going to get you anywhere. The only thing that gets you somewhere is Jesus living in you. And the way people are, we sometimes we want to substitute the fake for the real. Guess what? This church building will not save you no matter how many times you walk in it. Taking communion will not save you no matter how many times you take it. Putting money in an offering plate won't take care of you no matter how many times you do it. It's a relationship with Jesus that's going to change your life. And sometimes we're not careful. We want to substitute all those things for a relationship. But only relationship works. Only trusting Jesus works. He won't give us praise to graven images. No symbol. No, no way. No ritual can do anything. Only Jesus can. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. And then he says, Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. He's writing this back in Isaiah's day, telling us about Jesus. He's going to spring forth out of the root of David. Hallelujah. He's telling us what's going to happen. I want to close by reading this other message to you. It says this. Take a good look at my servant. I'm backing him to the hilt. He's the one I chose, and I couldn't be more pleased with him. I've bathed him with my spirit, my life. He'll set everything right among the nations. He won't call attention to what he does with loud speeches or gaudy parades. He won't brush aside the bruise and the hurt. And he won't disregard the small and insignificant. But he'll steadily and firmly set things right. He won't tire out and quit. He won't be stopped until he's finished his work to set things right on earth. Far-flung ocean islands wait expectantly for his teaching. God's message... The God who created the cosmos, stretched out the skies, laid out the earth and all that grows from it, who breathes life into earth's people, makes them alive with his own life. I am God. I have called you to live right and well. I have taken responsibility for you, kept you safe. I have set you among the peoples to bind them to me and provide you as a lighthouse to the nations to make a start at bringing people into the open, into light, opening blind eyes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That is our commission. That was what Jesus was sent to do, and that is our commission right there. Just carry this message and to take it to everyone that we come in contact with. I'm not talking about preaching at them. I'm talking about sharing the love of Jesus with them and sharing your life with them and being a minister and a servant to them. Amen? Amen. And it works. Hallelujah. I may not be the biggest shouter. I may not be the, the wildest preacher in the world, but I'm going to tell you what. I believe this word. And I'm going to preach it till I die. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is the awesome. This is the word of God. Hallelujah, let's stand up together.